last week, uh, we were studying the thousand years of peace. Now, in our, if I could use a chart for real quick here. Hang on a second. get there in a second hang on this is the end of the so-called tribulation period it's a picture that I'll this is a chart that I'll show you here automatic focus and uh, what we studied last week was the, the millennial or millennium either one and it's a thousand years of peace and it was brought out in that 20th chapter of the book of Revelation and that we talked about it. We also gave you out a brochure last week concerning the uh, millennium, the thousand years of peace and the characteristics of it. The characteristics was it of it was that it is different than any other time and different than the times we live in right now. When the thousand years of peace comes of the Jewish people will be back in Palestine Israel will be the dominant nation in the world and they will be a very righteous, God-fearing, holy people and the rest of the world will follow them under the leadership of Christ, of course. And uh, Satan will be bound a thousand years. The Bible says that. I'm just repeating what we've already covered last week. He'll be bound a thousand years. He'll be thrown in the bottomless pit, so locked up. There'll be no more war, no more war in the wars in, in the world. Uh, there will be uh, the, the they said the spears will be beating into pruning hooks and the uh, swords and the plowshares. Meaning everybody will you get back to just living a regular everyday life. And what we emphasized last week was how that a little bit of that millennium, the joy, the peace, and the happiness, and these kind of things. Will, can be inside of us even today. The world can't know it like you and I can, but we can know it in the Holy Ghost. And it's a little bit of that millennium in us. But now, to the full extent, animals will be changed in their nature. There'll be no meat-eating animals. There'll be no aggressive animals. They will be like they were before the flood. I don't know whether you know this or not. I can take time and show you in the Bible this truth. But all animals ate, uh, ate hay and straw like the ox and the cows and so forth. They, even the lions did. And uh, there was no meeting until after the flood. After the flood, that was all changed. I can show you that in the eighth chapter of the book of Genesis. We won't take time for that. But in the millennium, it will all revert back to that, revert back. Also, men will live for long periods of time. They'll live for hundreds of years rather than just decades or just uh, uh, what do you call it, just tens or twenties of years, like 80 or 90 years, uh, they'll live to be two or three hundred, four hundred, I don't know how many hundreds, but anyhow, they'll be into the hundreds of years. And the Bible talks about that uh, that a child would be like, uh, like somebody today in his old age. I won't get into all the details, only to say that it's to be a very, very interesting time. Now, what I want to do here today is pick up at the end of that thousand years of peace, 
And there's going to be an event that will happen in which the Lord will release, release Satan. Now, this is in your notes. And, uh, and if you look in, uh, if you look, let me get to it here. Hang on a second. I got so many notes and things here. If you look at this chart right here, this is the one that you have in your hand, and I will bump it up a little bit so we can see it a little better closer. But at the end of the thousand years, in Revelations 20 and 7, if you'll turn in your Bible to those verses, I'm going to read them very quickly here, and then we'll move on. We have a lot to talk to you about today and some very good things to pass along to you. So if you will look with me in Revelations 20 and uh, 6, it says, Blessed and holy is he that hath part in the first resurrection. On such the second death hath no part. Let's see, I want 20 and 7, I'm sorry. Look at 7. Look at 20 and 7. And when the thousand years are expired, Satan shall be loosed out of his prison and shall go out to deceive the nations which are in the four quarters of the earth, Gog and Magog, to gather them together to battle, the number of whom is as the sand of the sea. And uh, to just to break in for a moment and identify who they are, if you have your Bibles and want to turn with us to Genesis chapter 10 and look at the first few verses here. This is the sons of Noah, chapter 10, verse 1. Now, these are the generations of the sons of Noah, Shem, Ham, and Japheth. Noah had three sons, and from them came all of the people on the face of the earth. And unto them were born sons born after the flood. Verse 2, the sons of Japheth, everybody with me? Gomer, Magog, Madai, Javan. Tubal, Meshach, Tyrus, and the sons of Gomer were Ashkenaz and, and Rephoth and Togarmah. And then the sons of Javan was Ish, uh, Elisha and Tarshish and Kittim. And, Dur- and these are the Gentiles. These were Gentiles. Now, I have a, uh, a little chart here, map chart, whatever you want to call it. Let me get to it. I've got all this in here. Hang on a second. I think it's over here. Yeah. This is a, uh, a little map here that's sort of a homespun drone map. And this shows you how that uh, from the building of the tower in Babel, after the tower of Babel where the Lord confounded the languages and all the languages, the people scattered, the sons of Japheth went into Europe. Now, this is the Middle East in here. This is the along about where Babylon was right here. It is where it, where it was. And all the Japheth went into Europe. You can identify Italy here. This is Greece, and this is France, and Germany, and England's way up here, and so forth. Uh, the uh, Ham's descendants went to Africa, all across North Africa here, Egypt, Libya, and so forth, on down in, in other parts of Africa. And the Asians went uh, in the Middle East, and they also went over to, I mean, the uh, Sham, and they went into Asia, all right? In Asia. Also, these descendants of Japheth who went up here, they were called the steppe people. This is all in history now. The steppe people migrated back down into this area here. 
And they were, they were the sons of Japheth, and they migrated down in Iran and in, in India. And uh, they were the step people and so forth. And they, uh, so that was a sort of a mixed multitude very early on. And, of course, uh, this is how it all began out. And they all spoke different languages and, and so forth, and that kept them separated. And that's how the Lord scattered them throughout the known world. This is another map uh, here, and it shows you like this. The descendants of Japheth was up in here brown. Shem is this yellow part, and green is ham. So let it leave it there for whatever it's worth. So I'm just telling you how that they began to scatter throughout all the world. And Japheth's descendants were the ones that were way up here in the north part. I'm going to get back to this map because I think it shows it better. Up here in the north part, Japheth's descendants was Magog, Gog, and Magog. And they were like Russia, uh, Germany, uh, Poland, uh, the Netherlands, uh, the Scandinavian countries. You know what I'm talking about? And then also France, Germany, England, even Spain, and even Turkey, some of it. But uh, anyhow, they scattered in that direction. And uh, that's where the, the beginning of this group that would rise up against the Jewish people in the end time after the thousand years of peace called Gog and Magog. And this is why I'm pointing that out to you here over here in this uh, 10th chapter of the book of Genesis. 10th chapter of the book of Genesis, the beginning of all nations. Everybody with me? All right, that's sort of a diversion here. I'm going to get into our lesson here now this time. At the end of the thousand years of peace, number one, <coughs> A, Satan's loosed out of his prison, goes uh, forth to deceive the nations. We saw that. Number one, Gog and Magog. Who are they? European nations. We just talked about that, Genesis. Two, why does God release Satan at the end of the thousand years of peace? Why do he do that? Why do he do that? The reason, folks, and the answer right under that in your lesson there, the answer for that, let me move these papers here so that you can see our lesson. Here. The reason for that is because God wants everybody to be able to exercise their will. Now, listen to me closely on this. When God made man, he gave him a will. We were not made robots. God made man to have his own individual will. He made the angels to have a will. That's why Satan rebelled, because he had his own will to do that. And he convinced a lot of other angels to go with him, and they rebelled with him. They were called the fallen angels. Those that chose not to go that route but to stay faithful to God, they are the angels that are faithful to this day. When God made man and woman, of course, put them on the face of the earth, he put a tree in the garden so they could exercise their will. He says, don't touch the fruit of this tree. You say, why did God even put it there? So they could exercise the will and obey the word of God and be faithful to God or not be faithful to God. And that's the way it is even to this day. We have a choice. We can live right or we don't have to live right. God does not make us. Nobody's holding a gun to our head to do anything. It's a free will that God gives us, and it's up to us to make that decision. If we're faithful in being true to God and believing in the Lord and serving him and keeping his word and his commandments and believing this book 
and walking with God in righteousness and in holiness, if we are faithful in doing those things, we will have eternal life. And God can trust us in eternity with that eternal life. Because if we're faithful here with Satan tempting us, then we'll be faithful throughout eternity. You understand what I mean? Now, these people in the thousand years of peace, Satan is bound a thousand years. They had no temptations. No temptation. So God, at the end of that period of time, turned Satan loose to let them be tempted to do whatever was in their heart. Whatever's in their heart. Now, I don't, I have scripture for this. I could teach for 45 minutes or an hour on this Bible study. But God knows what's in our hearts. But he does not judge us by what's in our hearts. He judges us by our actions. He judges us by our works. I'll show you that in a few moments in the scriptures here. We are judged by our works or our, our whatever we act to do. So, if you carry things in your heart, listen to me carefully now. If you carry things in your heart... Eventually, God is going to allow that in your heart to be exercised. If you've got a secret sin that you're carrying in your heart, God knows it's there. He knows it's there. But he will not judge you for what's in your heart until it is brought out. And then God allows these things to come along. Uh, Whenever David sinned with Bathsheba, Nathan came to him and gave him a parable. And he said to him, there was a man uh, who uh, was very rich and had everything he wanted. And, uh, and he said, uh, the stranger came by. And he said his neighbor uh, won't entertain the, wanted to entertain the, the guy. And so he said uh, he went and took the ewe lamb from the rich man that had plenty and used him. Praise the Lord for the sacrifice to entertain the stranger. Now, there's a message in that, and that is don't entertain the strangers. Don't entertain a stranger. That's the thoughts that come into your heart to sin. Because if you do that, then it's brought out and then you commit the sin, and then you would definitely be judged for that sin. Of course, of course, the answer to that is repentance and asking God's forgiveness and, 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 and all those kind of things. You know that. But I'm just pointing out to you here as a child of God and as we walk with the Lord, let's not entertain the traveler. Amen. And let's not carry things in our hearts, but get them out of our heart. The heart is desperately wicked and who can know it? And God knows the heart and he knows the reins of the heart. And I won't go any further into that. But I do want you to know here that the Lord here allowed uh, Satan to be loose for a season for a reason. That those who had it in their heart to rebel and to defy God and to resist righteousness and holiness, which was first and foremost in Jerusalem, it will be in that day, uh, that they would defy, they would rebel against that. And here's what God let happen. Now I'm going to finish reading here in 20 and verse 9. Verse 9, 20 and 9. Are you with me? And they went up on the breadth of the earth. And compassed the camp of the saints. This is all of those Gog and Magog group. Compassed the camp of the saints and the beloved city. And fire came down from God out of heaven and devoured them. And that was it. It's all over with. That was it. Everybody say that was it. That was it. It was all over with. 
And God can, can do that anytime, anywhere. But he had to, he had to let their, their, uh, their sins in their heart, he had to let it be developed and be outward so that they were judged for their works and not for what was inside of their heart that God, of course, knew that was there. Look at the 10th verse. This is interesting. The 10th verse, 20 and 10. The devil that deceived them was cast into the lake of fire and brimstone. Now then, he was, he's out of the bottomless pit, does his wicked thing, and then he is cast into the lake of fire. And look what it says after that. Where the beast and the false prophet were, no, where they are, they're still there. After a thousand years, they're still in the fire, the lake of fire and shall be tormented day and night forever and ever. All right. So, of course, to understand that, you, you, you know, we go back to that, 19, that 19th verse where the Antichrist and the false prophet were cast into the lake of fire. Now the devil, he is cast in there and that's where he'll spend forever and forever and forever. And then it says in verse 11, and I saw a great white throne. And, of course, this is where the Lord sets up the great white throne and everything. And that's bringing us down here to the uh, end of the lesson that you have before you there. Uh, let me put this over here. I'm trying to keep all these straight. Hang on a minute. All right. Uh, look at number three on your lesson, and then we're going to move on here. I want to hand out now those second ones. Number three here, understanding the resurrection hand, and this is the handouts you'll be getting now. Now, what you're going to be getting now today looks very complicated, and I'll never be able to cover the rest of it in, uh, in the minutes that we have, the, the 20 minutes we have. I'm just going to get started next week. We're going to try to finish it and wrap it up. This chart that I'm going to show you right now is uh, what you're being handed out to you. This is the one that you'll be seeing now. And it's understanding the resurrection. And uh, it is also understanding where are the dead. First part of it is where are the dead. And the latter part is understanding the resurrection. Sister Toops, where are you? Raise your hand. God bless this lady. She's the one that just put all this together for me. This design work that you see here she did all of that put all that together and just recently tyler took it and sort of touched it up a little bit because we hadn't done so many copies and stuff and just made it bright again so that you'd have a good copy in your hand when you got it everybody say praise the lord, praise the lord. so uh i want you to look at the very beginning here and i'm going to go through this beginning what i'm going to do at first is, is to show you two or three things one is that uh, we have a body, soul, and spirit. What happens to us whenever we die? And that's where are the dead part of it that we'll be talking about here. The other part that I'll be talking to you is that, that there's three classes of people that's mentioned here, holy, righteous, and wicked. We'll get into that secondly and talk to you about that. But everybody with me here? Amen. So I'm going to start here up in the left-hand corner here where it's body, soul, and spirit. If you'll turn with us to 1 Thessalonians 5, 5.23. 1 Thessalonians 5.23. Now, does everybody have a copy? This is your copy to keep. I trust that you've kept all these notes and these papers we've handed you because they'll be invaluable to you any time you ever go in-depth in the study of the Word of God. And uh, if you ever want to take notes with these, it'll be very helpful to you as well. 
But if you will look with us in 1 Thessalonians 5, 23, this is a, simply a scripture here that states we are body, soul, and spirit. Look at this very closely here. Verse 5, chapter 23 of 1 Thessalonians. And the very God of peace sanctify you wholly. And I pray, God, your whole spirit and soul and body be preserved blameless unto the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. Okay. Uh, we all know what the body is. The body is the outward house of the man. The soul is the individuality of each of us. Each of us have a soul. We are a soul. That's who we are. That's the person we are. That makes us different than anyone else. And then the spirit in us, the spirit in us is the life. It's the life to the body. It's the life to the soul. The soul and the spirit is, are always together because the soul never dies. And the spirit is the life to the soul. But the, but the body dies. The outward house is called also the tabernacle in, in other scriptures. And so whenever we die, and I'm going to go back to the chart here. Whenever we die, I'm going to use the red one, the guy in the red suit here. Whenever we die, our bodies go to the grave here. Go to the grave. And our spirit and soul go up and back up to God who gave it. Now, look at, uh, look at Ecclesiastes 12.7. Ecclesiastes 12.7. And uh, All right. Then shall the dust return to the earth as it was. That's the body. And this is speaking of the, the death of a person. In fact, the last part of that fifth verse, 12.5, the last phrase, and it says, because man goeth to his long home, and the mourners go about the streets talking about someone dying. Now, the seventh verse says, then shall the dust return to the earth as it was, and the spirit shall return unto God who gave it. Okay? And so... It goes back up to God, and God will judge. And then finally down the last verse in that Ecclesiastes, the 14th verse, for God shall bring every work into judgment with every secret thing, whether it be good or whether it be bad. So he talks here about a judgment day that would be coming even after this happens. So the flesh here dies. The spirit and the soul goes back to God who gave it. And Ecclesiastes 3.21 confirms that. It says that man's spirit goes back to God who gave it, but an animal's spirit goes into the ground. Animals don't have a soul. They have their spirit and soul goes in the ground. That's the end of them. Uh, no matter how much you love your little dog or pup, <coughs> excuse me, uh, he doesn't go to heaven like you do because you're a man. Unless God decides he's going to, have them show up for you. I'll leave that where it is. <laughs> that's just, there's no scripture on that one, I guarantee But anyhow, and then God goes back to God who gave it. Now, uh, there are some people who believe that when we die, our spirit and our soul stays with the body and it sleeps. It's called, it's called soul sleeping. That we sleep with the body and it stays that way. And there's multiple scriptures that disprove that. Uh, Without going into a lot of detail here, uh, one is in Matthew. I, I won't take much time with this, but look at Matthew, for instance, uh, 
22 and 32. That's the verse that we're looking at right there where my pen is. Matthew 22, 32. I am the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob. This is Jesus speaking now and referring to a scripture that God had quoted earlier. I am the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob. God is not the God of the dead, but of the living. So even though Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob are dead and their sepulchers with us to this day, yet uh, are they not uh, dead, they are alive. Uh, Another verse of scripture here. I think is a very effective one. Let's look at these. Uh, this is, look in Philippians 125. Philippians 125. And then I'm going to move on here because I think you pretty well understand here what I'm saying. This is Paul talking. Philippians 123, verse 23. Philippians chapter 1, verse 23. For I am in a strait between two. This is Paul talking to the Philippian people. For I am in a strait between two, having a desire to depart and to be with Christ. So if he depart, he died, he'd be with Christ. He knows that, which is far better. Nevertheless, to abide in the flesh is more needful for you. So Paul says, but for your sakes, I'm here. Now, he says that also not just to the Philippians, but also to the Corinthians. Look in 2 Corinthians 5.8. 2 Corinthians 5.8, and then we're going to move on here very quickly. 2 Corinthians 5.8. He says somewhat the same thing here. We are confident, I say, and willing, rather to be absent from the body and to be present with the Lord. So he talks about here uh, that he would just as soon be, or be gone, but he's here of course, with them because it's for their sakes that he is. Now, uh, I want to talk to you a little bit here about this place called paradise here. This is where we go when we die, our soul and spirit. Let me point over here. I'm pointing at the wrong chart. Over here, the paradise. Everybody with me here? Now, go to 2 Corinthians 12, 2. 2 Corinthians 12, 2. All right. Everybody with me now? This is a very important scripture here. What Paul, what happened with Paul was that when he was at a place called Lystra preaching the gospel, a town, he and uh, Barnabas, yeah, Silas, no, it was Barnabas. He and Barnabas were together. The 14th chapter of the book of Acts. Paul was at Lystra preaching the gospel and they prayed for a man that was healed, that had, was, that was, had a withered foot. And the man was instantly healed and the people began to bring sacrifices and wanted to offer sacrifices to Paul and Barnabas because they said these are gods that have come among us. And they, they, uh, they, they came in and, and Paul and Silas and, and, and Barnabas said, no, 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 no. We're men like you are. We're trying to, te- we're trying to tell you about Jesus Christ, who was God Almighty. Not us. Not us. And they, they would, and everything. In the meantime, there's the Jews that had come from another town over there and was trying to stir up these Gentiles and said, these people really are bad people and they're mean people and they, they really give, bring a lot of confusion. And they got these Gentiles all stirred up against Paul and against uh, Barnabas. And so when they did, this spirit 
of you guys are gods turned. And all of a sudden they grabbed him and, and threw him down and stoned him, stoned him. And especially Paul, they stoned him and left him as dead. And the others gathered around and they looked at Paul and they said, they drug him outside the city. They took him outside the city. Then they stoned him. Then they all went back into the little town there, Lystra. And Paul was dead. And as they stood around looking at Paul and said, well, I guess Paul's going on to be with the Lord. Now, Paul came back to life again. Now, this is what reference that Paul is making here. He says about 14 years ago. And I'm reading here from this scripture. Everybody's still with me? All right. I'm reading here in 2 Corinthians 12 and 2. I knew a man in Christ above 14 years ago. and He's talking about himself. And he's very modest about it. Whether in the body, I cannot tell. I don't know whether I was alive or dead. Or whether out of the body, I cannot tell. God knoweth. Such an one called up to the third heaven. Notice that. He said, while I was dead in this state, I was caught up to the third heaven. And then he says, I knew such a man, whether in the body or out of the body, I cannot tell. God knoweth. And he was talking about himself in a third person fashion. Because he said he would not talk about himself in that first verse. I won't get back to that, but just go and continue on. Look at verse 4. How that he was caught up into paradise. Now, in verse 2, he calls it the third heaven. Verse 4, he calls it paradise. So third heaven and paradise is the same place. So when we die, that's where our soul and spirit goes back to God who gave it. And God puts us in a place called paradise or third heaven. What's that like, Brother Myers? I don't know. It doesn't matter. Whatever it is, uh, God's got it all figured out. <laughs> and I trust him with it. Can everybody say praise the Lord? And he says that he was caught up in the paradise and heard unspeakable words, which is not lawful for a man to utter. Of such an one will I glory. Yet of myself... I will not glory in mine infirmities. In other words, I'm not going to glory about myself. I'm just telling you about this guy that I knew. And he's talking about himself because he was the one that was stoned to death. Now, I show you all of that because I'm trying to show you here, uh, according to our chart here, that our soul and our spirit goes to a place called paradise, that whenever we die. Many of you have known people have died. And just before they die, they see the Lord. How many of you have known people like that? Or you see, I see several hands, several hands. God bless you. Uh, I know my sister, had a sister that passed away about four, four years ago. <coughs> and she was in a coma. And my other sister was sitting by her bed, two o'clock in the morning. All of a sudden, she opened her eyes and she sat up and said, I see God. And three times she said, I see God. And just... Good, clear English. I see God three times. And then she laid back down, closed her eyes, and went back to sleep, and never came out of the end. And by morning, she had passed away. But she saw the Lord. We had a guy that came to this church and got saved. And his mother and dad came from California here to see what he had gotten into. And in the meantime, he had, he had gotten, come down with an affliction of some type that he had way back in childhood. And he had gotten very sick and was in the hospital. And while he was in the hospital, his mother went there and was sitting by him because she knew he was in sort of like a coma. And then she says, while I sit there, he sat up in bed 
and held up his arm. And she said, yes, honey, mama's right here. Mama's right here. And she went over to him and she said he wasn't looking at mama. She said to me, he was looking at something else and said, what was that that he was looking at? I said, he's looking at Jesus Christ. He saw Jesus and he closed his eyes and laid back down. And shortly after that, he passed away. She said, I want what he had. My husband, I want what he has. And they both got the Holy Ghost, got saved and everything. And, and later they moved back to California, but they both got saved because of that son's death the way it was. Now that's happened many times over, many times over. People see the Lord. You understand what I'm saying? So these scriptures let us know that we go to a place and uh, God has a place. Old brother Christoph, he came to preach for me the last the last few years of his life. He said, Brother Myers, I was in Pensacola, Florida in a hospital. And he says, I died and I saw the Lord coming through a valley and the flowers and the plants and he was coming for me. And I reached out my hands and I said, I was so happy because I was going to go be with the Lord. And the Lord had his hands out. And then he stopped and said, not yet, not yet. And I'm saying it just like Brother Christoph would say it. He's an old evangelist that traveled around for years. Not yet, not yet. And he said, I saw the Lord go back. And I came back and he said, I woke up in the hospital. I had these tubes all in me. Two o'clock in the morning, I pulled them all out. Got on my clothes. And I walked out of the hospital and they said, no, 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 you can't, you can't. I mean, this guy's like 85, 87 years old now. They said, no, no, you can't do that. You can't do that. You got to, he said, no, no, I'm not going to die. I can tell you I'm not going to die. <laughs> and I walked out, I walked out and he got out and traveled all around. He came here and he told us the story and so forth. And then one day I heard that he had gone back in the hospital and this time he did pass away. And I said, that time the Lord came and he did not say, not yet, not yet. Let's lift our hands and just worship God. Lord, we love you so much. We thank you, Jesus. What a great God you are. What a great friend you are. What hope you have given us. Oh, thank you, Lord. And thank you for your people, the joy that we have in our hearts, the hope we have in our souls. Thank you, Lord, for your many promises, Jesus. We give you the praise and glory for all things in Jesus' name. Amen. Now, one other thing here I want to talk to you about is that uh, you'll see uh, these three characters here. This is the holy, righteous, and the wicked. And I want you to notice here that the holy and righteous go to the earth and go back now. Let me give you a scripture on this. I want you to turn with me to the book of Revelation. And I want you to turn to chapter 20. Chapter 20 in the book of Revelation. Uh, 22, I'm sorry. Look at 22 and 11. 22 and 11. You don't have that in your notes there, but I'm just going to give it to you. And sort of tie this all together, these pictures that you've got here on this screen. Look at 22, 11. Revelation 20. This is the last chapter in the book in the Bible, in the entire Bible. 22.11, he that is unjust, let him be unjust still. This is at the end of time now. And God has already set up the white throne judgment. And everybody's had their final destination. He that is unjust, let him be unjust still. He that, which is filthy, let him be filthy still. Let me just say this. There's two kinds of wicked people. There's unjust and there's filthy. Filthy is somebody that drinks, gets drunk, smokes pot, 
curses like a, a mule skinner, uh, gets out in the street and carries on, beats up people, whatever. I mean, just, just mean, just plain old mean, filthy, nasty, bad curses, everything. You name it, they do it. Then there's the unjust wicked. The unjust may look good on the outside, but inside their heart is wicked. They'd steal the last dollar from their mother if they, they, if they had to. I mean, just unjust, just wicked as they can be, you know. Uh, I read about these wicked people in the world that's lived in times past, and uh, some of them, they never smoked cigarettes, they never chewed tobacco, and some of them never cursed so much, but they had people killed. I mean, I mean, vicious, mean-spirited people. Adolf Hitler had a German shepherd that just dearly loved him, I mean, love because Adolf Hitler was a good to his, his dog. But he killed, what, what three to, between three to six million Jews, you know. I'm just saying here, these are the unjust. There's, all, there's the filthy wicked and there's the unjust wicked, you know. And uh, I won't go into detail on it, but you can figure that out. And you've seen people that matches up one or the other. Look what else it says in that 11th verse. He, he that is unjust, let him be unjust still. He which is filthy, let him be filthy still. That's the wicked. And he that is righteous, let him be righteous still. And he that is holy, let him be holy still. Now, this is two different kinds of people. I want you to turn back in your Bible over to Revelations 20 and 6. Everybody turn back in your Bible 20 and 6. Blessed and holy is he that hath part in the first resurrection. Notice that now. Blessed and holy is he that hath part in the first resurrection. On such the second death hath no power. Notice that. The holy. Blessed and holy is he. Back up to the fifth verse. But the rest of the dead live not again until the thousand years were finished. This is the first resurrection. So we are part of the first resurrection that is before the thousand years of peace. That's why we talk about the rapture happening before the tribulation period. The tribulation period, which is a short period of time of about, I don't know, 10, 20, 10 15, maybe 10 to 14 years. It's, short, it's a short period of time. The rapture happens before that when the Lord catches us away to be with him. And then after that is the thousand years of peace. And then the Lord comes back with ten thousands of his saints. So what I'm pointing out to you here is that the rest of the dead do not live. That is the righteous and the, uh, the wicked do not live until the end of the thousand years of peace. So you and I will have a place with God throughout all that period of time in the holy city. And of course, there's multiple scriptures and so forth that we're given. Uh, let me give you some verses of scripture here and so forth. Uh, Look in 1 Corinthians 15, 51, 15, 51, if you would. Uh, 1 Corinthians. I can find it myself. All right. Look in, look in 1 Corinthians 15. I'll read verse 22 and 23 first. This is talking about the resurrection. And because Jesus rose from the dead, we have the hope of rising from the dead. 
this is the holy, 15, 22, and 23. For as in Adam all die, even so in Christ shall all be made alive in Christ. Verse 23. But every man in his own order, Christ the firstfruits, he was the first. Afterward, they that are Christ at his coming. Okay? That's talking about the rapture. Now, many other scriptures that talks in here about the resurrection. I'll move on very quickly in that 15th chapter of 1 Corinthians. Look over in verse 49. And as we have borne the image of the earthly, that's this earthly body, we shall also bear the image of the heavenly. Verse 54. I'm just reading this. I'm just skipping on down to save time here. So when this corruptible, that's the body now, shall have put on incorruption, that's when we die, and this mortal, that's the ones that are alive and don't die until the rapture, and this mortal shall have put on immortality, that's at the rapture, the corruptible shall put on incorruption at the rapture, and the mortal shall put on immortality at the rapture, then shall be brought to pass the saying that is written, death is swallowed up in victory, O death, where is thy sting? O grave, where is thy victory? Okay. And so uh, this is where the Lord is talking about the rapture and the coming of the Lord. And the Lord, of course, will come back for the holy. Because the holy are the ones, praise the Lord, that the Lord is going to rapture away. They will be part of that. They will be in the first resurrection, the holy. Uh, To be holy, you have to have the Holy Ghost. You've got to have the Holy Ghost. The Holy Ghost makes us holy, the Holy Spirit. We cannot make ourselves holy. The Holy Spirit makes us holy. Uh, look in uh, Romans. Let's just see here. Let me. Uh, let's look in Romans first. Uh, let me get to it real quick here. Romans 8 9. Look at this real quickly here. And I know I got just a couple of minutes. I've got some real good things for you next week. Next week, I've got some. I'm going to wrap this up. But I'm going to talk to you about the, the white throne judgment. And it's going to be a great lesson. Look at 8, 9. But ye are not in the flesh, but in the spirit. If so be that the spirit of God dwelleth in you. Notice that. Now, if any man have not the spirit of Christ, he is none of his. None of his. Look at verse 11. But if the spirit of him that raised up Christ from the dead dwell in you, He that raised up Christ from the dead shall also quicken your mortal bodies by his spirit that dwelleth you. Quicken means to make alive. So that whenever, if we are dead, he will make alive. Praise the Lord. If we are mortal, then he makes alive. And I can take you to 1 Thessalonians, you know, where it talks about uh, the Lord coming back, you know, and he's going to come back. uh, The dead in Christ shall rise first. We which are alive and remain shall be called to meet the Lord in the earth, so shall we ever be with the Lord and so forth. And all those kind of things. But I'm just pointing out to you here that we are going to be in that first resurrection. And God is going to do great things. And when he does, we're going to go to the holy city. Praise the Lord. Let me give you one other verse of scripture. Romans 8 and 9. Romans 8 and 9. I believe this is the one I want. See, I was just at Romans 8. I'm sorry. I was just there. So uh, the point that we're bringing out to you here, folks, is that to be in the first resurrection and to be in this rapture here, we've got to have the Spirit of God in us. The Spirit of God makes us holy. And uh, I'm uh, thinking of that scripture where it says that uh, by his Spirit we are made holy. 
I think I've got that one covered. But anyhow, the, the, what we're pointing out to you here is that the, we're called away in the rapture. We're caught up to meet the Lord, and so shall we ever be the Lord, and we're in the Lord in the air. After the thousand years of peace, we come back with the Lord, and then Jesus sets up a white throne judgment. And I'm going to talk to you about that. I'm going to show you some scriptures, tell you who's going to be there, how it's going to be done, and where you want to be and I want to be when that takes place. Amen. Can you say praise the Lord? Let's stand together and praise God and thank him here this morning for all things. Amen. We've covered a lot of territory here today. You've been a good class.